got up, but they did not move their feet. They went down, and they lost the series. They lost their mind in Detroit Rock City. (laughs) (laughs) That was an all-time intro, my friend. Yes, uh, this is Guarding the Corner. I am James, that was Brian, and that was a very last-second, I guess, parody of the lyrics to Detroit Rock City. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, rough series, man. Not exactly what we expected uh, going into this one. Not at all. Did not have a fun time uh, watching these games. Uh, one of them was good, one of them was good, but the the other two, not so much. But before we get into those, real quick, like, comment, share, subscribe, tell your friends and family, or else it's stealing. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, Bodchaser, TuneIn, and thisisbelieveland.com. Yes, do all those things. Okay, so you can hear more fun last-second parodies like the Detroit Rock City one I did to start this podcast. Yeah, you're going to want to stay tuned for more of those, too. They're coming. <laughs> they got more down the pipe, don't you worry. Uh, they are definitely on their way. But let's start off with the series opener. Uh, that kind of sucked. Let's be honest here. Uh, yeah, that was a rough game. Um Outside of uh, a good third inning, uh, mm-hmm. this was a complete no-show by the Guardians' offense again. Um, this has kind of been the storyline of like games that we've lost against teams that we shouldn't be losing to. It's just that the the bats don't show up. But pitching did their job. You know, the, they kept it within reach uh, for the entire game. Yeah, they kept it in, and like you said, the the third inning was was the only real good part for the Guardians because they, they answered. They were down three nothing. They managed to answer. Luke Maley, who needs to be playing every day at this point, by the way. Good God, yeah, um, I don't understand that, but go on. Maley started it off. Owen Miller drove in two more, and it seemed like okay, they found their groove. We're gonna be we're gonna be good, and then just bats went silent. Yeah, I. I... I really was hopeful that that was going to kind of kick things off for the series. Um, and for a young team like the Guardians, like, we see them do this a lot. You know, they, they're good at answering back when they find themselves dug in these little holes. Um, but but this time, it's just, it, it was too much to overcome. Um, but yeah, outside of that third inning, it, it was just a no-show by the offense. Um, it did not go the way that, you know, we had hoped for. But yeah, you're absolutely right. When, when Maley hit that... Double and Mercado scored, and and then Miller, Miller followed it up with another RBI. Um, I was like, all right, let's go. Here, you know, we're gonna put some runs up on the board this series, and uh, that didn't seem to be the case for this game. That's for certain. It, it didn't, because you know, you, you you see the you know the lineup, you see how they did. It was just like, okay, I guess I guess that's it. I guess that's all we're scoring today. Yeah. You know, it, it was just it was not a good outing for for most of the guys. Um, you know, uh, Jose can only do so much. We said it before, and we'll say it again, and, and forever until you know uh, this lineup does get some help of some sort. But you know, when, when Jose is not able to drive in runs, and you got to rely on other guys, that's when problems arise. And you know, there have been times when that's been okay, or other guys have driven in runs, but it, it's been at the same time when Jose's done it. They they need to yeah, do it, it, you know, it, more consistently. Consistently is the exact word for it. Um, and, and we have to remember, like, Jose Ramirez is off to, like, an otherworldly start. Um, so that that definitely helps a lot. Um, there haven't been many games where he's been off. Um, but the games when he is off, like, that's that's when you need to pick him up. 
Um, and that certainly did not happen. Um, the one bright spot you could say about this game is most everybody in the lineup got a hit. Uh, Naylor and Clement went hitless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everybody else got a hit. Um, but the problem is, is they just they can't put to you know they can't put anything together. It, it, they're they're getting a hit and then they strike out a couple times, or they get a hit and then they ground into a double play. Um, it, you want to see you know that, that stuff start to string together a little more instead of like being few and far between. Because even though they had eight hits, this did not feel like a game that the Guardians had eight hits. No, it didn't because they were they only had uh, five at bats with the runner in scoring position. And, you know, they went right. one for five in those. You know, it, it, when you have eight hits, you expect to have closer to eight chances with runners in scoring position. I know it's, you know, five to eight, whatever. Uh, you right. know, but, like, for what it's worth, the Tigers went four for eight and they had nine hits. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they, they walked four times. The Guardians only walked once. So, you know, that's also a factor. But you expect something closer to your, to your hit total. I mean, they were just one off. You know, we're, we're yeah. three off. That, that That's a big difference. Yeah, it's a much bigger difference. Um, yeah, it, it was it was an okay game from the pitching staff outside of Pilkington struggling with the walks early on. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys that came in later in the game really did a nice job. Um, I thought Morgan did a hell of a job. Um, he looked good. Stefan looked good. Uh, De Los Santos had a couple Ks and didn't give up any walks or any runs. Um, so that was really good and encouraging to see because those are some guys that have been a little shaky uh, mm-hmm. at best. Um, but yeah, outside of that, just not not many good things to say about this game. Yeah, not not a whole lot of positives. And we've been kind of dancing around it, but let's get to what happened in the bottom of the ninth here. Uh, mm. Jonathan Scope with the one out double goes to third in the wild pitch, and then yep. the most predictable ending of all time: Miguel Cabrera walk off single. Uh, yeah, Miguel Cabrera is inevitable. Uh, he's been doing this to us his whole career. Um, but yeah, when, when that situation arose and he came up to the plate, it was just like, this game's over, you know, and mm-hmm. you, you can't let that happen. And for a young team that's struggling offensively, like you have to be sharp defensively. And, and that's something that they have not been. And it, it seems like when they make these defensive errors, they're like at the worst possible time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and just... I thought that that was a really big factor in, in why they lost this game. Yeah, it, it's it's tough. It's it's tough. I mean, anyone can sit there and you know, uh, you know, manage from your couch. But like, there, there's one out in the inning. There's a runner on third. It's Miguel mm. fucking Cabrera. Okay, like yeah. you gotta at least consider the intentional walk there. Yeah, I don't know why that wasn't even on the table. Um, if nothing else, don't throw him anything to hit. You know what I mean? Like, you make him chase. Throw a couple in the dirt. You know, you could do stuff like that. But, like, to, to attack him in that situation is just puzzling to me. I mean, yeah, because with the runner on second, it's it's one thing, okay? You get to the two-on-one count. Uh, the the uh, the runner advances, the scope advances the third. Mm-hmm. But you can't throw a 95 mile an hour four seam fastball up and into Miguel Cabrera. That's that's the thing. It's like, what did you expect? Um, yeah, that, it was just puzzling. Not not the best moment for the Guardians uh, coaching staff, I would say, um, because no, nobody else in that lineup is really hurting anybody. I mean, they're a team with they have four regular starters that are under 200 average right now. 
Like that's that's really historically bad. Um, they are not a good team, and, and those are the things that you just can't you can't do against a, a bad team. You know, the, those are the ones that make the difference. And that that the wild pitch by Stefan there, it was like, geez, man, it just couldn't have come at a worse time. And then of course follow it up. Miggy does Miggy things and mm-hmm. walks it off. I mean, there's there's no real better way to put it than just Miggy does Miggy things. But for what it's worth, uh, batting fourth was Javi Baez. He was one for three with two strikeouts on the day. And he's grounded. He's been terrible this year. He's been awful, and he's grounded into four double plays this year. Right. So it would have made perfect sense to put Cabrera on there and pitch a bias. I would have. I would have definitely considered that because, yeah. like, who would you rather pitch to? I mean, the, uh, Javi Baez or, or Miguel Cabrera? The answer is Javi Baez. Like, Absolutely, especially considering how poor of a start he's off to. You know, like, if ever there was a time to pitch to Javi Baez, it's right now. Like, he's really, really struggling at the plate. It, it um, seems like he's going to have a down year, honestly. Yeah, and I, I start to wonder how much of this, like, the decisions made in the ninth inning are part of people like, man, I do not want to go into extra innings. Like, it, you, you got to think management hates extra innings and mm-hmm. the new rule. Um, it makes you wonder if that's, like, what part of it is. It's like, it, are they really just trying to pitch to this guy because they want to avoid, you know, they want to just get see if they can go up against Miggy and get him out and, rather than take their chances in extras. I mean, that that has to be it. I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. Just, it's so... Because that just... was a bizarre, it was just a bizarre thing to do. To, mm-hmm. to pitch to him there was just really bizarre. It, it seemed really out of place, and... I, I had to wonder if part of that's just like, God damn it, like we we don't want to go into extras against these guys. Like, mm-hmm. let's just pitch to them, see if we can get out of this jam, and and you know, but yeah, I don't know. It's just I hate that rule so much. I hate extra innings so much. It, it's like it, at least we won the game in regulation or lost the game in regulation. Yeah, I mean. not have the. I, I hate extra innings so much just because of the stupid runner on second day. But you know, everyone's said their opinion on that. Yeah, uh, you either love it or you absolutely hate it. I really don't think anyone's just like eh, it's okay. I, I haven't heard that reaction from anyone really. Um, no, there's no there's no fence riders on that. It's you're either all in on it or you're all off on it. And mm-hmm. We've made it very public that we hate it. So <laughs> yeah, we refer to it as Mickey Mouse extra innings every chance we get. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, because that's what it is. I mean, it, they invented a new sport for for overtime, and it just doesn't make sense. The the tenth inning and on, just it, it doesn't. It's it's not the same game. No, it's not the same game at all. Like you, you got to earn your way to second base in this game. Like it's not easy to get a guy on second with no outs, and that's what they gift you in extras. And uh, I don't know. It's I understood the concept of it and what they were thinking and speeding up the game and yada yada yada, but it's just been poor execution in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan, and also you know thank thank God. Speaking of rule changes that they made, uh, no seven-inning doubleheaders anymore. Those were the fucking worst. Yeah, that was absolutely terrible as well. Uh, again, it's a different game, you know. Like it, it's, it, it changes the entire approach when you when you don't have to worry about pitching pitching staff going nine innings and only seven. Like mm-hmm. it saves you from having to use so many arms, and and you can be like, you can just approach the game in a totally different way. So yeah, at least I got rid of that. I hope that this is the next thing to go. It, it, it really has to be, but, you know, you'll see. We'll see what they do. I mean, baseball, you know, 
definitely known for their their choices, which are all positive all the time. They never completely whiff oh, when it comes to rule no. changes or, or or crackdowns and anything. No, absolutely not. They would never fail at anything like that. Yeah. But uh, any final thoughts about this first game? Uh, final thought? No, I, I just want to put this one behind us. Um, but I thought this game was a tone setter, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was a, it was a big tone setter for Detroit. Um, and I think that that ended up paying dividends in this series. It really gave them a lot of confidence in this series. Yeah, it, it did. And that's we'll move on to the next game now. But, uh, you know, the, well, the game was supposed to happen on Friday. It was rained out. So, mm-hmm. no baseball on Friday. You know what? Wasn't the worst thing in the world, considering how they lost the night before and how, uh, and how their, pre- their week in general was going. So, yeah, it was kind of a welcome to reprieve. Like, it, it, as much as I hate when games get, you know, banged like that, it, mm-hmm. it kind of, it came at the right time. After a really disappointing loss in walk-off fashion, like, to give the guys 24 hours to just kind of cleanse their palate of that and, and go into the next game with a new approach, uh, I thought that that was crucial. Yeah, it, it definitely is. A, the Something worth noting that that off day on Friday, what that does is it creates another little set of games before their next off day on Thursday. So you don't have to, I guess, worry about, uh, I guess, energy management with the players, you know, exactly. uh, yeah. all, all that much. You, if you want guys to go a little bit longer, whether it's a pitcher or you, you want to start uh, someone five days in a row or four, four out of five, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about, you know, is this guy going to get tired? Is his legs going to be, uh, you know, is he lose his legs? He's not going to have the power. He's not going to be able to drive the pitch. He's not going to actually hit a pitch. You don't got to worry about it as much, but that off day on Thursday, I think that's going to help them use their best players more and not play games with the lineup. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, ha- having that off day is huge, and you can manage with a totally different approach when you're coming off of 24 hours rest. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it, it, it just it frees you up to do so many different things. Like you can attack pitching matchups. Like you can do all kinds of things that like you might not be able to do if you're concerned with uh, you know getting through nine innings with your your guys. If you've got guys in the bullpen and that have been pitching every night and. Yeah, it just it really opens things up for you, and I, I think it did pay dividends because we did see uh, a, a good bounce-back game in the next game from the well, Guardians. We did, and and speaking of guys going deep into games, we had eight innings out of Shane Bieber in this one. That was fantastic, yeah. Uh, under 100 pitches, too, so mm-hmm. it, we, didn't, we didn't have to burn them out to do so. Uh, but, yeah, to get—it's it, just so rare in today's game to see guys go— seven, eight, nine innings anymore. So anytime a pitcher does it, I'm always stoked for them. Um, but to see Bieber do it with the way that, you know, he kind of has – he struggled a little bit early on this year. He hasn't been completely himself. Um, and, and this is the Shane Bieber we know and love, a guy that's just super efficient um, and that goes deep into games and, and mm-hmm. puts you in a position to win the game. And this was just a classic Shane Bieber uh, performance, I thought. It was. It was really good. Uh, you know, going into the – seventh inning and before Detroit scored I thought uh Bieber had a chance for a Maddox in this game uh for those of you yeah. unaware it's throwing a complete game shutout of nine innings on a hundred or less pitches or fewer than a hundred pitches excuse me right yeah he was right there he had 94 pitches so it, he would have had a chance um but yeah I, I ultimately did like the decision to to put class a in there and let him just kind of slam the door on this thing um because you're coming off such a rough loss, and, and you know you don't you don't want to push 
Bieber when you have that big of a lead. If it would have been a close game, I'd say sure, maybe push him nine innings, but um, I thought it was the right move. Yeah, I mean, he's had 94 pitches. He hasn't necessarily been um, the the best. Let me just, let me put it that way. He's he's had some good games. He's had some bad games. Yeah, yeah. Let's. He, let, I guess been, he's been on or he's been off. He's been very streaky this year. Um, which has kind of been the story of the Guardian season. Uh, you know, it's kind of a microcosm of the team as a whole. Like, Beaver, Beaver has matched the vibe of this young team. Like, when he's off, he's really off. Uh, and when he's on, he's lights out. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's, he's he's been good. I mean, he had 10 strikeouts a week ago against Detroit, but that was a loss. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, looking at this game, he had five strikeouts. He only had the one earned run. He didn't walk anybody. This is the first game he didn't walk somebody since the last time he came away with a winning decision, and that was on April 20th. Gosh, I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah, and, you know, he didn't walk anyone in the first start of the season, that 3-1 to loss against the Royals, uh, but more on the Royals later. Uh, you know, this is the this is a, a good step forward for him. Drops his ERA, drops his whip, all that fun stuff for all the stat people. But interestingly enough, this is the third straight game where we've seen his innings pitched increase by one inning. Going That's back... So- to the the Twins game, six, seven, and eight. I mean, that's exactly how you draw it up, you know. That that's exactly what the plan was for for Bieber this season. I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know. Let's let's push him deeper and deeper each game, and hopefully, you know, he's getting better each start. And that that seems to be the case. You know, everything is going like exactly according to plan in terms of Bieber getting back on pace, you know, and being the ace that we know him to be. Because mm-hmm. uh, he just wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't early on in this season. And uh, to see him come out and pitch a game like this, and, and like you said, to go an inning deeper, back-to-back-to-back games, that's that's huge. That's exactly what you want from a guy. So that's good to see. Yeah, and, and notably, uh, the start before the six-inning uh, game against the Twins, that was the game he allowed seven runs against the Blue Jays and didn't strike anybody out. So, uh, yeah, good good progression from Bieber, and that's what you want to see. But Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the offense, okay? Because pitching was great. The offense actually did something in this game, and that's, that's even better. Yeah, the offense was fantastic this game. Uh, more of what we expected to see this series. Um uh, yeah, up and down the lineup, you know, uh, Jose was otherworldly, like he's been all year, of course. Um, but even if you take away Jose's five RBIs, you know, the offense goes enough to win that game. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. They, they do. I mean, Jose had a had a, uh, a three run triple in the seventh. He had two run homer in the ninth. He's such a freak. I and, and those came at really crucial times in the game because before his bases clearing triple, it was only two to nothing. And we've discussed this before. The ability to add runs late is huge. Absolutely. It's one of the things that this team has done well is scored runs after the seventh inning. Um, But, yeah, when you've got a guy like Beaver on the mound and he's pitching well, like, you want to see the offense do that for him. You know, give him some breathing room. Give him a couple insurance runs. And just let him go out there and do his thing and and be, you know, be free and be natural out there. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that's when he's at his best. So, like, the, the more run support you can give for Bieber, it's like he the better he becomes. So it's it's what you want to see. We we talked going into the season that you know Bieber's a guy that he can get degrommed a lot with a young mm-hmm. team like this, and you know it's good to see in a start that the the bats show up because sometimes when you got a guy that's as good as Bieber on the mound, 
uh, guys get complacent, you know, and you don't feel as pressed to get on base and score runs. And um, you could tell the approach was just – it was a very all-out offensive approach this game. Um, and I, I really – I thought it was one of the best offensive performances so far this season for the, for the team as a whole. Mm-hmm. You spoke of getting the ground. Um, Bieber has uh, decisions in just five of his nine starts this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of those are wins, but they've won five of his nine starts, and he only has right. two wins. Yeah, so that's ridiculous. He he guy. is getting Degrom a little bit, just yeah, a little bit, a couple times. It, it's not but... full on Degrom because if you dig, dig into those stats from, uh, I mean, he hasn't pitched yet this year, but you can probably just go over his career or um, you know, the year he won the Cy Young a couple years ago, not not last year, before that. Right. Uh, you know, you, you look at his, his numbers, and it's just like if the the Mets averaged three runs a game, uh, Jacob DeGrom would have won 18 games. He won like 11 or something, right? If they would have had four, he would have won like 24 games. It's just like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I think that it speaks to what I just mentioned, you know, because he's, he's obviously one of the best pitchers in the game. Um, and that's it's just something that happens to a team. When you've got a guy that's that good on the mound, you just like, you get complacent. You you just get too comfortable and think like he's gonna be lights out. We're not gonna have to do much. And um, that yeah, baseball is a, men- a very mental game. Um, and I think that the Valeka and and uh, Tito did a good job of, of giving these guys the right approach headed into this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, real quick uh, cleanup here. Uh, Corbin Burns won the Cy Young last year. I, I always just assume Jacob Degrom wins it every year, but that's besides the point. I mean, that, he is that good. He's a freak. Yeah, but uh, let's talk some some fun offensive things in this game here. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez made his debut, and he went two for four. Yeah, that was fantastic to see. Um, he's a promising young player. Um, I I think that it's good to it's good to bring him up here and see what he's you know see what he's made of you know because it's like why not? Yeah. Um, and and uh, he's a guy that showed early on, you know, why he's such a highly uh, touted prospect in our organization. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, Gonzalez has the opportunity to play because uh, Framio Reyes is hurt. He's on the IL right now. So, yep. uh, you know, it, they, they had Gonzalez and Palacios in the lineup. They both went two for four. Yeah, which is great to see. You know, anytime your rookie guys can come out and perform that well, um, it, it's, it's just really encouraging to see because that's, that's what's going to have to happen this season if the Guardians are going to try to contend in this, uh, albeit pretty weak, AL Central. You this know, division was, stinks, okay? Yeah, this, <laughs> this division is terrible. So, like, it's not unreasonable for us to sit here and say that, like, we still got a shot at winning this division, you know? That's not unreasonable at all. Even with, uh, you, you look at the teams in this division, it's just like, I, I don't think the Twins are for real. I can't be convinced otherwise. Uh, you know, I can't either. I'm glad we're on the same page with that. I, I don't think that that's sustainable. I think they're going to come back down to earth in a big way. Uh, I've never been a big believer in the Twins the past couple of years. Now everyone's like, oh, fun, Bomba Squad. I'm just like, this team has regression written all over it. Not correction, regression. There's a difference. But regression yeah. written all over it. And I, I definitely think they have regression written all over them again. Um I don't think what they're doing is sustainable. I, I don't think that at 29 and 19, that's a true indicator of what kind of 
team they are. Because are you going to tell me that they have like the they're the third best team in the AL because they have the third best uh, winning percentage? Because that's that's no. what it is right now. It's that's horseshit. <laughs> yeah, it's complete horseshit. It's they're benefiting from the weakness of this division uh, and from a really easy schedule early on in their season. Um, I, I expect by the All Star break that you know that'll the the White Sox will end up being in first place and they'll probably fall back. Yeah, uh, I definitely, I definitely think that because you know, <clears throat> I just uh, this division sucks. I'll <laughs> say it yeah. again, it's terrible. Even this, ti- even this Tigers team is like playing worse than they should be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, they're bad, but like they've got some guys. Like to have four regular everyday starters batting under two hundred, like of course they're shit. You know what I mean? Like of course. Those guys aren't going to stay that low all year, you know. So you could even expect the Tigers to probably, you know, th- they still have a shot at finishing with as good of a record as the Twins, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I, I think so. Uh, I really just, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think much of any team in this division that includes the Guardians. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I, at the end of the day, I think that the White Sox end up winning this division, and then it's a log jam below them. Like the the next, the the rest of us are going to be really tight. Yeah, like it'll be the you know the Twins, Guardians, Tigers, all between like seventy four and eighty wins, and yes. the Royals far behind everybody else with like around sixty eight wins or something. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's how I picture this shaking out. But and then the White Sox will be the sacrificial lamb to the Yankees in the first round of the playoffs. But um, someone's got to do it this year. God, they are a wagon. <laughs> Yankees are good. Well, let's put it yeah. that way. They're they're, uh, they're, they're good. They're good. They yeah, still haven't want they still haven't lost ten games on the road or at home yet. Yeah, that's insane. They're they're just loaded man like i don't know you can't say enough good things about that team right now in terms of the american league they obviously are the crown jewel in my opinion yeah i mean it's it's the yankees then maybe the astros i don't know how much you're in on them but after that it's it's a clear step back for everybody else and and that includes the you know teams like the rays and the blue jays and the angels yeah, I agree. I think that the Yankees are an entire tier above the rest of the teams. I really do. I, I, I think that this whoever ends up being second place, uh, the two seed coming out of the American League, I expect to be considerably less threatening than the Yankees. Um, I, I think that we're super top-heavy in the American League. And I don't know, it's hard, hard not to see a uh, Yankees-Dodgers collision course World Series coming this season. I mean that could happen. We could also get a, a another subway series. That'd be fun. That would be fun. Yankees would Mets. That. Oh, that would be just the absolute. I love that. Twitter meltdown. Twitter nightmare. It would be so good. Uh, I, I, the last time that happened, we didn't have the internet like we do now. We had the internet, but not like we do now. Not like, like not like this. You're right, and yeah, like to see people live tweeting a subway series would be absolutely electric. Frank the Tank alone for a Subway oh series God. would be electric. Yeah, to, to think of some of the content that would come out of Barstool. They would just need to live team. stream him at every single moment of that World Series if that were to happen. <laughs> okay, let's be honest here. Yeah, uh, I, I'm writing that down, but I, I hope that happens this year. Uh, but anyways, let's get back to our Guardians here. Um, yeah. 8-1 to one win. It was good. That yeah, was nice. That's what we good. needed. 
Yeah, and uh, just final thoughts on that. Good to see Classe again in a non-save situation do okay. He did have the one walk. He looked a little shaky and gave up a couple hits. But uh, at the end of the day, no earned runs. He mm-hmm. got out of it. So um, good to see him come in and, and not give up any uh, runs in the ninth inning too. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's good to see that from Class A. I mean, you know, I, I saw some complaints like 8-1 to one, or they were trying to get him to get some work in. It's just like this isn't a team that's going to compete for anything. So if you can use your best arm to just click quickly shut the door in a game and like, let's, let's get it over with, get out of here. I know it was not so quick cause he needed 20 pitches, but like I, I was fine with it. Like, yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was the right move. I didn't have any problem with it at all. Um, especially after the rough loss than, you know, a couple nights before, like mm-hmm. you, they really needed a win. Um, and, and I think by, by sending him out there in the bottom of the ninth, that was kind of a, a statement, you know, that we're going to just close the door on this team. And I, I thought that that, even though it was shaky, um, you know, that's kind of to be expected when a, a guy comes in in a non-safe situation because mm-hmm. it's just, it's not natural for him. Yeah, but he did well, and that's, that's, a, that's good to see from Mr. Classe. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's talk about uh, yesterday's game. Ugh. Uh, Sunday being yesterday. Yeah. Do we have to? Uh, we do. Uh, the, yeah. The Guardians out-hit the Tigers, 7-4. to They did. They their starting pitcher struck out more than their starting pitcher, eight to four. Yet they lost two to one. Yeah, this was just an absolute dud uh, from the Guardians. Uh, really unfortunate because I thought McKenzie pitched phenomenally. Uh, one of his best performances uh, that I, I can remember him in recent memory. I mean, he did give up the two solo home runs, but like beyond those two pitches, like. Man, he was really on to that, uh, yesterday. Yeah, he looked good. I mean, uh, he gave up a home run to a guy that wasn't even in the lineup. Uh, you know, Jamer Candelario came on for Robbie Grossman because he got injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gave up a home run to, to Harold Castro. Okay, so Harold Castro's hitting decent so far. 325. Yeah. I mean, small sample size, but still. Yeah, for a team that's really struggling, he's been one of the one of the lone bright spots. You know he's he's only he's only got you know uh, he's not like an everyday player for them. He he plays fairly often for what it's worth. He's right. played a lot more than I thought he has. Uh, yeah, he's not one of their primary guys. When you look at the line, play oh circle Harold Castro. This dude's a, a guy. It's like no no we're not doing that. No no that's that's what was the only thing disappointing about the start is that he did give up. A dinger to a couple guys he shouldn't give up dingers to but at the end of the day like it, we should have won this game you know mm-hmm. even with those two home runs like he did plenty enough to put this team in a position to win um and and he went deep too you know he went seven and two-thirds innings so uh, i mean you can't really ask for more from tristan mckenzie at this point and against a team like the detroit tigers like you gotta win this game like the, this was one of the worst losses of the year i thought yeah, it was uh, the the real real I guess um, issue for me at least, and I, I wrote about this in my my quick recap that I did at the game yesterday. Is that Miles Straw, Ahmed Rosario, Jose Ramirez combined to go 0 for 11 with a walk? Yeah. Okay. Terrible. If you extend that to the ninth hole and go nine one two three, Stephen Kwan was 0 for 3, and that group was 0 for 14. Yeah. So you've got. 
four batters that just went over the entire game, mm-hmm. back to back to back to back. So, you know, th- those are uh, <laughs> every one of those innings that those guys come to the plate is a it's a one two three inning. You know, and and those are those are daggers. You know, mm-hmm. for an offense, it's like it, when you go up there and they have these quick one two three innings and uh, they don't have to throw a lot of pitches. It's just like man, that's frustrating. Um, and that was one of the things that disappointed me about this game too was I didn't think our approach was the best. Um, we didn't really stick to the game plan of taking guys deep in counts, uh, being really patient, uh, seeing pitches, uh, taking the ball the other way, like not trying to pull things. Um, they just looked out of sorts this game. They, they did. Uh, I, I thought once Elvin Rodriguez left the game because of his, uh, his leg injury that mm-hmm. things would change a little bit. You know, maybe, maybe that would give them a little bit more, I guess, uh, I guess help in the in the hitting department and for a second it looked like it actually was going to because you know they only saw 53 pitches from Rodriguez and you know Peralta comes in and they saw 27 in one inning yeah so I'm like all right moving forward yeah that should have been a turning point in this game um and it was for a moment and then it just kind of fizzled out there but yeah that that's that's the moment of the game that you circle and go okay you got the starter out of here like now you got now it's time to show up now it's time Mm -hmm. to take advantage of this because any time that you have five innings against a bullpen, like you should capitalize on that. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's the best bullpen in the league. To go five innings with your pen is difficult for even the best organizations. So, yeah, that, that's something that you would have liked to have seen um, them to score more runs and put something together after that pitching change was made. But uh, after those two hits, uh, they really settled in and uh, closed the door. Yeah, I mean... It- they faced one of the, the better pitchers in the Tiger bullpen, uh, Andrew Chafin, and they scored a run off him in two hits in two-thirds of an inning. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, Michael Fulmer, they at least worked a walk against him. He's kind of turned his career back into the right direction after uh, after such a good start. He fell off a cliff because of injuries and poor performance, and they stuck yeah. in the bullpen, and he's kind of resurrected his career a little bit. Right. Yeah, it was it was good to see us uh, get to some of their better arms in their bullpen. Um, and, and the other thing too, like we only used two pitchers in this game, and they used six. Mm-hmm. Like usually, usually when you see that, it's like you expect that to be a win. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that was not the case. Um, so yeah, they they just couldn't put anything together. Like it, they they just I don't know. It was just like really frustrating. I really thought that when Rodriguez came out of the game. We were going to start to put things together, and it just fell flat. And that was really the story of the game: is just like a flat offense. Yeah, uh, you know, looking at the looking at the pitch counts, uh, McKenzie threw ninety, and Brian Shaw needed all of one to get through his third <laughs> of an inning. Uh, but right. uh, you look at the Tigers pitchers; they threw one hundred and forty-six pitches in nine innings. Gardens threw ninety-one and eight. Yeah, that that should be a victory. It's those are bizarre numbers for a uh, for a loss for sure. They they really are, and uh, th- that was just such a deflating way to end such a deflating series. Let's put it that way. Yeah, lone bright spot. Um, Luke Maley delivering again, um, further showing why he should be our everyday catcher. I don't understand why he's not. Uh, I, I think that that's got to change soon. He's showing that. Um, when he's in the lineup, we're, we're just a better team offensively. And he, he's also been good with guys on the base pass. He, 
Uh, he threw another guy out. Um, I don't know if it was that game or the game before, but um, I do know he threw a Tiger runner out this uh, series as well. Uh, it was it was this game. He threw out Spencer Torkelson, who was stealing a base for some reason. Yeah, right. That was a little puzzling. But, yeah, he had him nailed. The perfect throw. Um, and wasn't even a doubt. It, it was uh, a really great throw. So, uh, I don't know. I'm hoping to see a lot more of Luke Maley uh, is basically what I'm saying, and a lot less of Austin Hedges. Well, over the last week, he has played in, in three of their games. You know, three of their, what, what was this, uh, six games? So he's played in half their games. Yeah, so he's starting to get more of the load already. Um, I, I just think that he's got to be the primary guy at this point. Like, he, I think he's done enough to, to show that, that he can be better than what we've gotten from Hedges. I, I think so. I mean, over the past week, he did go five for five for nine. Okay. Yeah. The double, yeah. two RBI, a walk. He's I mean, an extra ba- extra base hit machine. Like uh, most of his hits are extra base hits, and that's pretty wild. I mean, yeah, uh, of his of his nine hits on the year, I think five six of the, are double. five doubles, five, five doubles. So yeah, five doubles on nine nine hits. So yeah, and when he does hit the ball. Um, he's putting the barrel on it and putting it in, in lanes and, and getting the second base, and you love to see that. Yeah, uh, conversely, Austin Hedges strikes out all the time. Yeah, and that's <laughs> And not only that, but he allows guys to pretty much walk to second recently as well. Yeah, Austin Hedges has uh, he has four extra base hits, one double, three home runs. Oh, my God. Yeah. So... And the, the small sample size we've seen from Maley, uh, much more offensive output outside of the home run department. Just give me more Luke Maley. That's all I ask. Yep, same here. So uh, any final thoughts on that game or that series before we uh, we move on? Uh, yeah, just really disappointing. Um, I, I thought that this was going to be a bounce-back series for us. Uh, um, I thought we were going to move a little closer to getting back to 500. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, like this this division's really weak, you know, and we've got a couple games in hand, so we, we've really got a chance to make things interesting. So I, I thought when you go up against a team like Detroit that's really struggled this year, like you've got to capitalize, you got to win that series. Um, so yeah, just just a disappointing series for me overall, and uh, hopefully they bounce back with uh, their little bit of a, a home stretch that they have here. I think well, we're only at home for what three games? Yeah, three games. Then we had a, a three game road trip and back home for seven. Yeah, so hopefully we can uh, bounce back against the Royals because th- this is a team that uh, we certainly should beat as well. It, it should be. It should be a team that we beat. But before we get into the Royals preview, real quick, the Guardians did make a trade yesterday. Yu Chang is now a Pittsburgh Pirate. Oh, wow. Poor Pittsburgh. They just cannot get better. I mean, uh, I saw someone tweet this morning uh, the, about uh, former Guardians uh, with the uh, the Pirates. Uh-huh. Are, are you ready for this list? Go for it. I know there's a few of them on there. So, hold on. Let me pull it up. Okay, I got it. So, and none of them are all-stars, by the way. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> Jenmar Gomez, who apparently is still playing, wow. uh, Eric Gonzalez, Roberto Perez, Greg Allen, Yu Chang. Wow, Those poor Pirates, man. It's like they're uh, 
we just send players that don't work out to Pittsburgh. It's pretty much the new thing that we do. I mean, he's just he, he's not good. Uh, apparently, uh, he Jamar Gomez does not play anymore. Uh, that was just a reference to Gomez being on the Pirates in 2013. My mistake. Oh, okay. But, I was going to say, uh, what uh, the hell? Uh, but either way, the other four. Yeah. You know, uh, Roberto Perez, Greg Allen, Yu Chang. Um, you know, it's just like, are you are you a former Guardians player? Well, guess what? You're going to be playing with the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. Yeah, it's like the natural progression for players that don't live up to their potential is just to end up in Pittsburgh. It, it really is. Uh, Lonnie Chisholm played for the Pirates, didn't he, too? I think so, yeah. Man, Chisholm, I forgot about him. Lonnie Baseball, okay. Yeah, man. There was a guy that had a lot of promise and didn't really fizzle out. Yeah, Lonnie Chisholm played. Uh, he was in their organization, but he got hurt. He never actually played a game for him. Ah, yeah. Well... I mean, that's just it's just what happens. But uh, uh, Eric Gonzalez uh, is apparently on the Marlins. Oh, okay. Uh, either way, former Guardians that have been or are with the Pirates. But uh, let's talk about Yu Chang for a second. I was never a big Yu Chang guy, uh, uh, unlike the legendary Hiram Boyd on Twitter. I do not <laughs> believe that Yu Chang is the second coming of, you know, Barry Bonds. Yeah, I, I um, early on, I was in on the Yu Chang experiment. Uh, I, I thought that he was a prospect with some promise. But when, it, when you look at the production and what we've got for him in his time in Cleveland, it's just not good. It's not, not, not only is it not good, it's just not big league level stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it, you just, you can't really justify keeping a player like that like yeah he's a utility guy that can play a couple spots in the field and that's very valuable but like when you're not producing period you know it, it gets to a point where it's like how much longer can we wait for this guy and i personally was done waiting for him so i, I have no problem with the move um, in my opinion it's just getting rid of some dead weight and it's going to give guys like uh, young guys like palacios and uh Gonzalez, you know, more opportunities. And I think that that's what, what we need. Yeah, yeah, you're right. In addition to guys like Palacios and Gonzalez, Owen Miller, Ernie Clement, Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, these are all positions that the Guardians have better players at that you change right. plays. So right. There's he, no necessity there. He became, he became a redundancy. Exactly. And, that's and, a really good way to put it. His skills were a redundancy. Like, he wasn't any better at any of those guys that you listed off at their position, so there's no sense in keeping him around. You know, mm -hmm. it's, you've got you've got a replacement better than him at pretty much every position, and, and that's what it's about. You know, wins above replacement. We hear that all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, like is would you rather use him or use somebody else? And, and unfortunately for him, it was like honestly, I'd rather use all of those guys before you Chang. So, yeah, yeah. It, it was just a it just didn't work out here for him. I mean, I wish him the best of luck, but it's just like you look at him as a player and his performance. He was, he was never like, oh, I can't wait for Yu Chang to come up. It, it, you know, during the time that Yu Chang came up, everyone was focused on Nolan Jones or yeah. George Valera or you know, insert player here, anybody but Yu Chang, pretty much. You yeah. know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, it, it, he was an intriguing prospect, and, and that's about the best I could say for it. It, it, uh, it just didn't shake out, you know. And 
it's not to say that you won't go somewhere else and, and maybe put it together, start working with another hitting coach that can, you know, maybe, you know, resurrect his career. But, I, yeah, I don't have any ill will towards the guy or anything like that. I think he was a, a good teammate and all that. But it, it just wasn't – it didn't make sense to keep him within the organization. I, I mean, the, the way I look at it is they – as I said before, they have better players at positions he plays. But, like, you look at his progression as a hitter through the minor leagues – and usually the one red flag I always have when it comes to prospects, especially guys who end up like Chang here, is that if they spend a year and a half in AAA... Yeah, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. It, it, the, because first of all, the, the highly regarded guys spend no time in AAA. They spend like 30 games before they get the call because it's just a, a procedural thing if they even go to AAA. The, the guys yeah, that are it's about... Yeah, uh, formality. You know, the the really high thought of guys go from double-A to the pros. Yep. Uh, he went to triple-A. He played, he played uh, what is this, 195 games in 2018 and 19 at triple-A. Yeah, that's crazy. And, like, that's and he struck out a ton there, too. Like, he struck right. out 114 times in 457 at-bats in 2018. That's just not good. That's inexcusable. Um, yeah, when you keep a guy in triple-A for that long, that's... That's just like, you're just waiting and seeing, and we never saw. You know, we waited and waited, and we never saw. So, yeah, this was this made a lot of sense. I thought it was ultimately the right right move by the Guardians, and like you said, wish them the best. Hopefully it works out in Pittsburgh, but um, there's just no place for them in this order. I mean, you can just add this to the list of guys that the teams moved on from that I'm not, like, sitting here mad on Twitter like a lot of people are. Yeah, uh, you, you know, I, I know a lot of people uh, at one point loved them some Greg Allen or Daniel Johnson, or I can keep going here: Yandy Diaz, Gio Urshela, Jesus Aguilar. Right. Uh, I know some people like to try and throw uh, Anthony Santander into that list, but he was a Rule Five pick, so like right. you know, it's not different. quite the same. And right. he was like, I think in Single A when the Orioles took him, so it's not even like the same thing. No, not the same at all. You're right. But these guys, I mean, the best one of these guys is, is Yandy Diaz. and Yeah. Like, he's fine. He's like a league <laughs> average player. But, you know, when they got rid of him, so they had Jose and Carlos Santana on the corners with Edwin Encarnacion. No, not Edwin Encarnacion was traded to get yeah. Carlos Santana back. But you get the idea here. It wasn't because... Uh, they, they thought they had better opportunities to win now with other players. And... They did. Like, Yandy Diaz is fine. Yeah. And I know there are still Yandy Diaz truthers out there. Okay. He's fine. That's a good word for him. He's fine. But, yeah, like, none of these moves that, like, people got up in arms about, like, we haven't seen any of them go on to do, like, great things anywhere. You know, none of these moves have, like, you don't look at any of those and go, oh, wow, that really came back to buy us. Like, since being traded to Tampa, Diaz has 32 home runs in four seasons. Right. He has 46 doubles in four seasons. And I, and I get, you know, one of those COVID seasons. Uh, okay. I yeah, get but when you're, so you're averaging less than 10 home runs and 10 doubles a season. So it's like, what are we doing here? But, yeah, it, he hits, he's hitting worse in Tampa from an average standpoint, but better in slugging. Yeah. By, you know, he's hitting, say, 18 points worse in, in batting average, but, you know, uh, 42 right. points better in slugging. But, like, 
It's fine. Like, I, I'm not sitting here worried that, you know, they, they moved on from Yanni Diaz. Let's just like I was not worried that they moved on from every other player I listed. Daniel Johnson, Bradley Zimmer, Greg yeah. Allen, Gio Urshela, this, Jesus Aguilar. Uh, the point being is that this feels a lot like those. It's just like, it, it's going to be fine. <laughs> this, is, it, this guy's not going to come back to haunt us. Like, I, I don't see Yu Chang resurrecting his career and being a 40 home run guy like i just don't see that happening so like everybody relax take a deep breath you know like for those that are up in arms because we didn't get anything for him it's like sometimes it's addition by subtraction hey you don't you don't have to get much in return they got cash that means that they can they can pay the janitorial staff another day (laughs) (laughs) which is good uh I mean, how do you think they were going to fund uh, tonight's Dollar Dog Night? Uh, oh, they need yeah. to get cash for that somehow. Dollar yeah. Dog Night on Memorial Day, that place is going to be packed. Yeah, everybody tonight, that while you enjoy your hot dogs, say a quiet thank you to Yu Chang. Yes. Because he, <laughs> he, helped, he helped fund your Dollar Dog Night. So. <sighs> straight cash, homie. Yep, straight cash. Uh, anyways, uh, best of luck, Yu Chang. Uh I think this was a separation that needed to happen for both parties, honestly. Chang wasn't going to play here. This team needs to just keep shuffling out the guys that have just been hanging around that haven't done much, and he was just the latest one. There's still another on the, another guy in the roster that fits that description, though. You wouldn't be talking about Bobby Bradley, would you? Oh, oh he's he's somewhere. I don't know where the hell he is. Uh, he, I think he's in AAA. But uh, okay. I was referring to guys on the, in the big league roster, and I was referring to one Oscar Mercado. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Considering considering Palacios and Oscar Gonzalez seem to be more uh, adept at, uh, at they uh, seem to be capable of doing all the things that he does and then some and, and and they're younger and I think they have better offensive profiles than he does. Uh, by the way, uh, Mr. Bobby Bradley this year at AAA he struck out twenty one times and forty nine at bats. Not oh surprised. Goodness. Not surprised one bit. Uh, for reference, by the way, Yu Chang went 0 for 10 with the, the Guardians. Seven strikeouts. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you expect, you know? I, I mean, their next off day is Thursday. Maybe they do something Thursday. Uh, I know Framio Reyes is probably going to be coming back around that time. Mm-hmm. So we could see Oscar Mercado DFA, maybe. Potentially. I could see that happening uh, when he comes back. I mean, because I would, uh, they clear Chang out of the way, so that means they can keep going with, you know, their infield consisting of some combo of Naylor, Miller, Rosario Jimenez, Clement, Jose, right? Right. Jose being the guy that starts every day, Jimenez and Rosario handling most of shortstop. Uh, Then you have, like, Miller, Clement, whatever, play second, and Naylor at first with Miller sometimes. So you look at that, that's that's their infield. Mm-hmm. They're going to play outfield if he needs to. But the other four outfielders, I think, should be Straw, Juan, Gonzalez, Palacios. 100%. Uh, I agree with 100%. Because if you need another outfielder, you can always put Naylor in the outfield. You can always put Reyes in the outfield. You can True. put Clement in the outfield. True. <laughs> or yeah. Rosario. So. Yeah, at this point, it's dead weight. I, I think that we need to continue uh, the process of just kind of shedding some of these parts of the organization that aren't working out and, and then, you know, opening up these spaces for these young guys to come in and see what they're made of, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not saying that any of these guys are slam dunks and they're going to be, you know, better than the guys that we mentioned, 
but you got to find out, you know, because mm-hmm. we know we've we've seen what we're going to get from the guys that we're talking about. We, you know, we know what we're getting from those guys. We don't know yet what we're going to get from Gonzalez. We don't know yet what we're going to get from Palacios. Like, mm-hmm. let, let's see what they're made of. Like, what better year than this year? You know, this isn't a year where you're going into things, uh, you know, with the World Series title uh, as their goal. You know, this mm-hmm. is a, a very much feeling out year for us. And I think if it's a feeling out year, then um, then this makes sense, you know, could continue to just kind of trim some of the fat on this roster. Yeah, churn through the guys that you need, that you just need to get the final answer on, okay? And mm-hmm. it, it, so you can make the definitive decision either way, the decision usually being it's time to part ways. Yep. Uh, but that's just what they need to do. It's a transition year. It's the year to do it. Shuffle the roster and, and, and get through the guys that you know are not a part of your future so you can get to the guys that might be and you have a good yep. feeling could be a part of your future. And you know, reset things for next season because that's what it, that's really what this year is about. Anyways, is resetting things for next season to next for next year to go and try and win the division for next year Absolutely. to go and have that that postseason run. But in order to do that, you need to shuffle through the guys that you need to just at some point separate through, get to the younger guys who are definitely part of your future, or at least you hope so. Right. Absolutely. You. This is we got to figure out. You know what this team is before we can set any kind of goal you know mm-hmm. and, and and part of that process is like we were talking about it's, it's letting some of these young guys come up and, and see what they're made of and you know if, if they work out great if they don't at least we at least we know you know and that that gets us one step closer to the ultimate goal of next year going in and, and knowing who we are as a roster and no you know knowing what the infield's going to look like knowing what the outfield's going to look like mm-hmm. knowing who your you know your primary catcher is going to be um, like that, that's going to put us in a better position next year to, to go out and, and win the division and hopefully contend. Um, so the, this is all part of the process. Um, and so far I, I'm, I'm on board with every move that, that we've made so far. I, I think that it, the process is kind of playing out how it should, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it really is. This is, this is what I expected them to do. Uh, yeah. You know, this is what they've needed to do for some time. They've been kind of, I don't want to say dragging their heels a little bit, but they, they have been in, re- in regards to some players, it, yeah. you know, but let's say, you know, uh, the guys that they're, they're playing now, you know, some of them don't work out as long as it, uh, you know, doesn't result in everyone complaining about, you know, if they end up having to move on from some of these guys in the future, as long as it doesn't turn out into the continual bitch fest that I see about Aguilar and Yadi Diaz, then I'm good. Yeah, same here. Same here. I'm good with that. Because, I mean, uh, we don't have outfielders right now. You know, it's it's Straw and Quan. Quan's cooled off a lot, but uh, Straw is what he is. But they need to just keep trying out guys in the outfield, so. Yeah, 100%. That that was the... The, the one position of question going into the year, we knew we were going to have to figure it out, and that's that's what we're doing right now. We're figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I think everybody should just kind of be patient and, and let the process play out, and hopefully these guys grow into the, you know, potential stars that they can be. Yes, and part of that process playing out begins this evening when they take on the Royals at home. Okay. That, we my friend, Jonathan is... Jonathan tonight? Yes. And that, my friend, is what's called a professional segue. 
Uh, <laughs> that's a great segue. That's a great segue. I'm sorry I stepped on it. Oh, it's all good. We got Zach Plesak, Jonathan Heasley. Uh, we've never faced Jonathan Heasley before, but apparently uh, you can score runs off of him. He's it <laughs> looks like that, yeah. All three games he's pitched in, the Royals have lost. The Royals are not a good team, so that makes sense. Uh, but he's allowed three earned runs and two straight starts. He allowed two bombs to the Diamondbacks of all teams. Wow. Uh, he's allowed four hits in every start. He has walked 13 batters in 13 innings. Good. So Lord. for a team, major control issues. For a team like the Guardians, who has a lot of guys with good plate vision and the ability to draw a walk. Yeah, I like that. Oh, that. This could be a game where we we get on this guy early, you know, because we have a really good approach at the plate, uh, and, and I think that, um, uh, you know, I don't know some of those other opponents that he's went against that you mentioned. You know, I don't know that they have as patient of approach at the plate as the Guardians, uh, and, and I think that that's something that we really should try to capitalize on this evening. Um, try to get, you know, guys on base by going deep in counts and drawing walks against this guy and uh, kind of let them beat themselves. Yeah, he's, he's needed uh, at least 80 pitches for five innings, so uh, he even Jeez. needed 80 pitches in his, his first game against the Rangers, and that was just three and a third. So... You can get to him. And here's some good news about Plesak. He relatively shuts most of these guys down in the Royals lineup. That is good, that is good news because Plesak uh, has not been great. Uh, he has not been. He, he, needs, he needs an opponent he's comfortable facing and one that he's, that he's had success against before. Because you, you look at some of the, the better hitters in their lineup. You know, uh, Salvador Perez is only one for nine from off of him. He's, it's a home run. It was, you know, he's got three RBI or whatever. But Perez just came off the IL. So he's mm-hmm. got to be in the lineup, which means that there's a chance that he could do some damage because it's Salvador Perez. He's pretty damn good, right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, of course. But the fact that Plesak struck him out four times, that's good to see, okay? Yeah, very encouraging. Even Whit Merrifield is only hitting two forty one against him. Sure, he's got seven hits and two doubles, and he, but he struck out five times in 29 at-bats. So, again, a, a good player in their lineup that Plesak's had success against. Yeah, that's exactly what he needs because he's really struggled this year. Um, and and uh, this is not a good team. Um, so this this just couldn't come – this matchup couldn't come at a better time for Zach. And I really hope that um, – I hope the Guardians' bats can, can get to this guy early. Mm-hmm. And with, with a little bit of a cushion – and the fact that he's faced these guys before and he's had some success against them, hopefully that's enough to give Zach the confidence to go out there and pitch a good game tonight and get the win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be. I mean, yeah, it should be. Uh, a couple other notables for you. Uh, move on to the next game. Uh, Benintendi is three for nine with a double. Uh, Hunter Dozier four for twenty-three, but uh, a triple and two home runs there Ooh. for Dozier. But uh, five strikeouts. For him, Nicky Lopez is four for twelve. One of those is double. He's he's a contact guy. He's not going to hit extra bases very often, so that's expected. Ryan O'Hearn, zero for nine. Emmanuel Rivera, zero for two. Carlos Santana, two for ten with a homer. Yeah. And uh, Bobby Witt Jr., zero for three with a strikeout. That's uh, but that was early in Bobby Witt's career, so we got to take that into effect. Yes, too. We'll and see. he's he's. He's really turned it on. If I'm not mistaken, he's up to like six home runs now, and he didn't get a dinger for like the first 25 games or something ridiculous. Yeah, Bobby Wood Jr. is good. Uh, he just needed to get some experience. He needed to get some. Uh, yeah. 
you just needed to do it. it. And sometimes that's what you need. I mean, he's, he's only 21 years old. But sometimes you just need to do it. I mean, in April, he only hit 216. In May, he's hitting 258. Okay, so that's that's a lot better. He has six home runs in this month. He had zero last month. There we it, go. That's the stat I was looking for. He, he, he's, he struck out 25 times this month, so that's gone up compared to the 19 from last month. But, you know... He, He's got five walks compared to just two the last month. So he's getting more comfortable at the plate. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's not the same player that we faced early this year. And I hope that uh, we take the right approach going against this guy because I think he's really, 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 really good. I do as well. Uh, I, I think he's a he's a true five-tool player. I think he's going to be a problem in this division for the Guardians for a long time to come. Um, so, yeah, hopefully uh, – Hopefully, Plesak can uh, continue his success against him. Yeah, hopefully he can. Because, uh, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. is just going to be taking the place of Whit Merrifield of being perpetual pain in the ass on the Royals. Um, yep, there's always one. And, and, you know, before Merrifield, it was Alex Gordon, okay? <laughs> that before dude. Before him, Mike Sweeney. <laughs> that's, a, that's a throwback <laughs> name. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh. You, you, you didn't want to go with, like, Kevin Kuzminoff or Mark Grenzelanek or... <laughs> no, I went all the way back. <laughs> uh, we could have gone back George Brett if you wanted to. Yeah, um, might as well at this point. Shit. Yeah. Anyways, uh, game two. Uh, this is another pitching matchup which I think favors the Guardians, to be honest with you. And, you know, it's Cal Quantrill, Daniel Lynch. Okay. Uh, Cal Quantrill's had some difficulties with a couple guys in the Royals lineup, and I'll get to that in a second. But uh, the Guardians uh, see uh, Mr. Lynch pretty pretty well. Okay. Yeah, that's encouraging because uh, he he's been okay this year. He hasn't been terrible for the Royals. Um, for a team that's really struggled, um, he hasn't been a huge problem for them. He's definitely a lot better than the guy we talked about last game. Uh, yeah, definitely better. Uh, Again, only 29 at-bats, but they have 10 hits off of, of Lynch. Two doubles, a home run, five RBI. They only struck out three times against him. They have a collective 1.056 OPS against Mr. Lynch. Oh, okay. So, getting me yeah. uh, get me excited a little bit. Jose, two for five. Rosario, one for five. Straw, one for four. Uh, the home run coming from Ernie Clement, of all people, one for two. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Hey, Austin Hedges has hits against guys. Maybe he'll be in the lineup tonight. Two for four. Hey, there we go. He doesn't have just one hit. He has multiple hits. <laughs> wow, that's that's not normal. Uh, yeah, Owen Miller, two for five. Naylor, one for two. So that's encouraging. So, yeah, we could get to this guy. Uh, this is a very winnable game. Th- those numbers are really encouraging. Um, so hopefully, you know, we're talking about uh, back-to-back wins here after this game. Yeah, so let, here's the downside, because there's a downside here. Uh, Cal Quantrill. Uh, and I, as I said, some of the Royals batters have gotten to him pretty well. Uh, ben Intendi, 5 for 12 with a double and a homer. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at uh, Salvador Perez, 4 for 11, also double and homer. Bobby Witt Jr., 1 for 3 with a double. But uh, Hunter Dozier is only 2 for 11. Whit Merrifield's 1 for 13. Anyone that can keep Whit Merrifield to a 1 for something or 0 for something is impressive. I don't care what anybody says. Um, yeah, he's a tricky guy to get out. Uh, yeah. Oh, he struck him out once. So that that's fine. Let Merrifield probably just fly out, line out, grind out, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Ryan O'Hearn 0 for 6. Carlos Santana 0 for 12 with three strikeouts. 
Ooh, no walks. That's good. So no that's, walks either, and he's a guy that has a really good approach to play. Yeah. So there are some guys that have success, but there are some guys that really struggle against Quantrill. So yeah, this is a series that we should definitely jump on these guys and, and try to try to win. No one's surprising to me. Carlos Santana's only been he's only faced Cal Quantrill. He's faced him twelve times in his career, right? Yeah. Uh, he's only Quantrill's only been in the majors enough times where Santana wasn't on his team for like just over a year. Uh huh. So that's that's kind that's of interesting lot. to see how many at bats he has against uh uh Santana. Yeah, that that is kind of interesting. That's a lot for a, a very short amount of time. Yeah, because when he was at the Padres, um, that was in 2019, and that mm-hmm. was that was only okay. That was 23 games, so it was a sizable uh, sample s- size. S- yeah, a sizable sample yeah. size. And you know, Santana was back in Cleveland. Did we play the Padres in 2019? I don't Cause, remember. Because maybe maybe that isn't what's increasing his uh, at bats against Quantrill. That would make sense, but uh, I don't. I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm pulling up the schedule right now. I'm just yeah. Why am I doing that? Why don't I just do alphabetical? We didn't. We did not play the Padres, so that's that's kind of incredible. That yeah. What the uh, hell? That's that, interesting. Yeah, he has that many. At bats against him. Well, for what it's worth, I mean, some of these guys, like, some like Salvador Perez, he's been hurt a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he must have just missed some of these other guys in the in the in the rotation a couple times. It, but he must have just he's must have just pitched against Kansas City every series since Santana got there. Yeah, that's that's weird. That is quite weird, but. The final game of the series, Connor Pilkington, who's never faced the Royals, versus Brad Keller, who we've seen a decent amount. So, yeah, well, what's, what's our lineup look like against Keller? Against Keller. Okay. Uh, collectively, the slash line's not great, as it's 189, 264, 276. Oh, really bad. Actually. However, Jose Ramirez is 4 for 17 with two doubles. Ooh. Um, Luke Mainly is 2 for 3 with a triple. How about that? Uh, Oscar Mercado Toronto. is 3 for 10. Ahmed Rosario, 1 for 6. Uh, Miles Straw is 0 for 3. Andres Jimenez, 0 for 2. Hedges, 0 for 5 with 3 strikeouts, but, I mean, expected. Quan, 0 for 1 with a walk. Uh, was that when he was with Toronto, or was that uh, for, for, sure. for Mailey? Because we've, we've faced Keller already this year. That's right. Maybe Mailey got this, He might have got playing time against Keller earlier this season. Uh, he hasn't, actually. So, it, oh, it was with Toronto. Been. So, uh, nice. let's hope Mr. Maley here uh, channels some of that success he had with the, the Blue Jays when we're going against uh, when we're going yeah, against he's, Keller he's been this evening. He's been hot. You know, he's been really good all season long. So, hopefully uh, he continues his hot streak and can get another extra base hit or two. That would be great. Uh, worth noting, against Keller, we have not homered off of Brad Keller. That's interesting. He has given up seven dingers on the year, so let's hope that's up. let's hope that streak breaks on a Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, let's hope. But uh, our starter, uh, Pilkington, uh, walk issues in the past two games. He's got seven walks in seven innings. Not yeah, great. Big, 
big walk issues the past couple games. Uh, ERA is not bad. Um, but, yeah, he's had some serious control issues. So it, it'll be interesting to see if uh, he can straighten things out a little bit against the Royals lineup. I mean, and hopefully he can. I mean, the, the one thing about the Royals is that they're really good with pitching to contact. And that, that can be a problem is, yeah. is, is, is the Royals and pitching to contact. Especially with a guy who doesn't – he's struck out more guys in the past – in the past two games, in the past seven innings, he struck at ten strikeouts compared to the uh, the five innings before that. We only had five. Uh-huh. Um, so striking out innings, that's nice. But like, uh, Pilkington's workload has increased as he's actually you know starting games now, <laughs> right? Compared right. to Uh, w- compared to when he was pitching middle or what have you in games, mm-hmm. or you know, it, it seems like they're they're using him in more of a of a bulk role, and that's because of Savali being hurt, because this would have been Savali's start. But, um... What's the timetable looking like for Savali? They had him on the, I think, the 15-day, maybe? Uh, I can I can pull that up. I'm just interested to know. Um, because, uh... It's either Reyes or... One's on the 10-day, one's on the 15-day, between Reyes and Savali. Reyes, Reyes is 10. On the 10-day. Um, 15 for Savali. Okay. And there we go. Yep, and I, that's May 25th. So we're probably a week and a half out from when he's eligible to return. We'll find out. It, it says it was just a uh, left glute soreness, so nothing about a uh, strain or a pull or anything like that. Right. Um, no injury, per se. More of just being hurt than being injured. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, comparatively, Reyes had ram- uh, hamstring tightness, not soreness. So, you know. Interesting. So also worth noting, so it, the the difference between tightness with a muscle versus soreness. So they they probably just had him rest for a couple of days. They'll have him probably through like a, a simulated game or something. Yeah. Uh, and if they if they have the need, I don't think they'll need to have him pitch a rehab start, but they might have him do that. So yeah. Well, that's good. It's, it's going to be good to get him back in the lineup. Yeah, but I, I think Pilkington's more than capable of handling. Handling uh, against the uh, the Royals here, even though they can be quite annoying to face. Yeah, definitely uh, a team that he's capable of getting a W against, and uh, having the issues that he's had with his control, um, being able to go up against a team with a little bit weaker of a lineup like Kansas City, um, mm-hmm. that'll be good for his confidence, I think. I, I agree. I, I really do. Uh, you know, just get Pilkington out there. Even if he only pitches less than four innings again, like three and third, three and two thirds, or maybe, maybe he goes for it this time. But yeah. um, even if he only pitches that small amount, just get through the order once. Maybe maybe have the lineup card flip over and get halfway through again and and call it a day. Just you know, get in, get out, minimal runs allowed if any, and and just kind of build off that and you know continue to work him into your, I guess pitcher utilization because i don't think him being a starter is the best idea but if he's like uh, got a similar role to what they use um eli morgan as i wouldn't be mad at it no no using him like eli morgan would make a lot of sense and uh, i think having two guys that use that same role um really opens things up for them in terms of their pitching staff Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's something i hope to see too i think that's a good way to put it this is like a uh it's like a stepping stone game for pilkington like Let's see him do better this game than he did the last, um, and and hopefully show some stuff that you know he's going to be worth keeping around once we get Savali back in. Yeah, if they if they kind of use him in just kind of those 
those kind of, I guess, bulk relief innings or whatever, what have you, however you want to put them in as, I think that's a, a good way to use it. Uh, maybe piggyback start him with someone like Plesak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be okay with that. That's not a bad idea. You know, to try and, I guess, limit any negative impact for Plesak in a game. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Because Plesak's had some bad moments. He's had some good ones, but he's had some bad ones as well. Um, fewer yeah, sure. fewer good ones than bad ones. But if you can find a way to maximize Plesak's value in addition to someone like a Pilkington or a Morgan that would go a long way towards getting some getting some wins. Yeah, absolutely. That That's a recipe for success, um, and it, it definitely makes this team better if, if uh, you know, we could continue to follow that blueprint and it works out the way that um, it's on pace to. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully he continues to progress and, and gets rid of these uh, walk issues and just kind of, hopefully it's just part of the growing process for him because a lot of guys come into the league and they have issues with walks and whatnot, so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, hopefully we see him uh, get that stuff straightened out and uh, hopefully have a important role moving forward for us. Yeah, and I, 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 agree, I agree with that. So, mm-hmm. any final thoughts on the Royal Series? Because uh, here's, here's what I have. Give me two mm-hmm. of three wins. Give me two out of three, which is what I said against the Tigers. A sweep would be yep. great, but give me two out of three. Give me a series win. Build some confidence before you play another terrible team in Baltimore. Yeah, this part of the schedule that we have right here is it's not the hardest. We'll put it that way. Um, we really need to capitalize on this this month of weak opponents. So uh, you definitely have to win this series against Kansas City. A sweep would be great. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. You you got to win this series. So this is a series that you circle on the calendar and go, okay, this is very winnable. Um, you know, I, I think that two out of three should be the goal. Yeah. Give me two out of three and go to the next series. Get a series win, move forward. Yeah, if they go two out of three against Kansas City, two out of three against Baltimore, two out of three, you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. Before you know it, this team's back to 500. So Yeah, and maybe, uh, even, uh, maybe even knocking on the door of whoever was leading the division at the time, if things right. go right, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, it's a recipe for uh, success, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you ready for trivia? I am ready for trivia. Okay. I believe you went first last time, so I'll ask my question first this time. Let's do it. Okay. And I chose my question in part because it is Memorial Day. Okay. Okay. And here is the question. Uh, As people know, Bob Feller had to miss three years of baseball for military service. You know, there's this thing called World War II going on. Ah, yes. Okay. So his career is split up from 36 to 41 and 45 to 56. My question for you. His career high of intentional walks in a season is 20. Did that occur before or after his military service? So it's a 50-50 question for you. Okay. I like my odds. Could you just, like, repeat... The, the gist of it quickly one more time. Yes. Uh, Bob Feller's uh, career was interrupted because of military service. Yep, uh, I know that. He had a, his career high of walks, intentional walks, was 20. Did that occur before or after his military service? Okay, so what did it have occurred when he was super young? What did it occur when he came back? Whew. 
I am going to say before. And you would be correct. Hey, let's he, go. He, he issued 20 free passes in 1941, his final year before he left for military service. Okay. I like that. That good, good question. I love Bob Feller. I've got a photo with Bob Feller and an autographed baseball from him. Two of my very most prized possessions. So very <laughs> cool. Very cool question. Uh, shout out to uh, all the veterans out there and people who lost people in the service and happy Memorial Day and all of that. So mm-hmm. good question. Um, I like that one. Yeah, I, I thought it'd be kind of kind of timely because it is Memorial Day. Uh, Bob Feller, you, if you've been watching the Guardians games, you've been seeing the Bob Feller commercial every single time they go to commercial. Oh uh, yeah, you see the picture of him. He's got the he's in his uh, he's in his military uniform. They have him. He's got like a little helmet on. Another one, uh, <laughs> but uh, he finished third in MVP voting that year. By the way, in nineteen forty one. Wow, that's incredible. Second the year before, third the year before that. Wow. I, I mean, he's just the best. I yeah. love Bob Feller. Rest in peace. Yep. Rest in peace to the heater from Van Meter. Now. Yes. One of the best nicknames of all time as well. Th- that's a great nickname. Uh, yeah. Your trivia question. Yeah, let's go. Okay. So for you, um, this was inspired by our series in Detroit. Okay. Uh, as you know. As you know Detroit has some some alleys there where uh, things can get extended into triples and inside the park home runs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So uh, the question would be, who leads the major leagues all time in inside the park home runs? That was going to be the question inspired by this series, but because of how old the people were, I modified it a little bit. So we're going to go the World Series era. Okay. So... The first World Series was in 1903. So for a player whose career started in 1903 or later. Most inside the park home runs? Most inside the park home runs. Mm, That's a tough one. I'm glad you you put the uh, World Series era on that because there's probably going to be some guy named like, uh, you know, Stonehands <laughs> Johnson. With... No, it's, it's nobody fun. It's Tommy Leach and Jesse Burkett, which are actually very normal names, but they began their career in the late 1880s. I didn't think that was fair. Um, <laughs> Burkett, Burkett is the major league leader with 55. Tommy Leach is the national league leader with 48. And the one that I left for you is the American League leader and the World Series era leader for Inside the Park Home Runs. So, who is that? that is... I just gave you a hint. It's in the American League. Yeah, that helps a little bit. Um, are you able to tell me how many? He had 46 Inside the Park Home Runs. I'm going to give you one more hint. All 46 came for the same team. Uh, Is it Ty Cobb by any chance? You motherfucker. Yes, it's Ty Cobb. He had 46 inside the park. (laughs) And ironically, they were all for the Detroit Tigers, which I found was kind of interesting since it was was their modern stadium, which inspired my question. Uh, Apparently, Detroit back in the day and whatever stadium they were playing in back there, had similar alleys because Ty Cobb had 46 inside the park home runs during his career with the Detroit Tigers um, before leaving briefly for uh, Philadelphia. Well, you know, uh, everybody knows that the uh, the old old Tiger Stadium on uh, Michigan and Trumbull Avenue 
in, <laughs> in the Corktown neighborhood. Okay. Dead center field was 440 feet. Okay, so that makes a whole ton of sense. Now it's kind of interesting that they've kept that going. You know what I mean? Like that they're like, okay, let's continue to make that part of the stadium as we build it moving forward. Yeah. So uh, Ty Cobb played, let's see, from 1905 to 1911, not at Tiger Stadium. Correct. So, uh, where did they play beforehand? Uh, That's a good question. Let's see. Uh, oh, Ty Cobb, also a good nickname. The Georgia Peach. That's yep. a good nickname. It's in the same place where Tiger Stadium was. Bennett Park. Bennett Park. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, so power alleys in Detroit have always been super deep. That is uh, good to know. Um, but, yeah, Ty Cobb, your all-time leader in the World Series era and in inside the park home runs. Yep. Uh, oh, look at this. This is a fun little, uh, I guess, uh, note about the old Bennett Park Okay. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Apparently, it was uh, hallowed ground to Chicago Cubs fans as they won their World Series in 07 and 08 there, their last two before 2016. No kidding. That's an interesting fact. So, interesting, interesting, interesting. Good trivia questions this week. We both got them right, so. Huh. Uh, by the way, first night game ever played at Bennett Park. No shit. First one ever. What year is that? 1896. No way. They played a night game in 1896? That's what it says here. They had the workers string lights above the stadium for a nighttime game. 1,200 people attended. That's incredible. And uh, man, that, was, that would be so cool if we could find some photos of that. The, the, the next nighttime game played in Detroit wouldn't be till 1948. Jesus Christ, 50 years almost. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's incredible. That's really, really cool. I mean, the light bulb was barely invented in the 1890s. Yeah, I, I don't know how the hell they did this. Yeah, uh, that's but... quite remarkable. I'm going to have to look. We're going to look into that a little more, see if we can find some more info on that, because that's really interesting. That, that is very interesting. The uh, old Bennett Park in Detroit, and then old Tiger Stadium. Uh I I've I've been to Tiger Stadium a handful of times as I grew up in Michigan. It was it's mm -hmm. one of those it's one of those places that always gets described. It was you know it was a dump, but it was our dump. You know what I mean? Um, yep, that's uh, that's I, pretty much the vibe there. And unfortunately, a lot of that's just because the stadium kind of fell into disrepair. It wasn't it didn't get the uh, upkeep and revival efforts and re you know uh, I exactly. guess I guess repair efforts that places like Wrigley and Fenway got. Um, but I, yeah, I they didn't have millions of dollars spent in renovating it and whatnot. But if, I guess if maintenance would have been done along the way, it, maybe it's still standing, but I will say that the location of Comerica Park compared to Old Tiger Stadium is significantly better. <laughs> oh, yeah, much better. Uh, yeah, it, it's not right next to a freeway on-ramp and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> or oh, off ramp, uh, off ramp. It, it it's it's right next to Ford Field. It's right downtown. Uh, it, yeah. it, you know the Hockey Town cafes are around the corner. Fox Theaters across the street. If you know, it's all in a central location, which is what you want. It, you really do. It's 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 much more accessible. Parking's better. I, I remember having to park at Old Tiger Stadium when my dad drove us there, and it was 
It was a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> you see those old pictures of, of old Tiger Stadium with cars in the parking lot and everyone's quadruple parked and yep. it, you can't leave until the four cars in front of you leave. And <laughs> Yeah, it's ridiculous. But, Shout out to Detroit for getting their shit together a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Tiger Stadium, it was it was one of those places. You know, yeah. it, you know, it was the first time I saw a baseball game, so it's the, you know, I will remember it for, you know, fondly because of that. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. But anyways, that's the conclusion of this episode of the Guarding the Corner podcast. Reminder, again, like, comment, rate five stars, share, subscribe, tell your friends and family. If you don't, it's stealing. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, Podchaser, TuneIn, and thisisbelieveone.com. Now, go Guardians, beat the Royals. Go Guardians. Thank you.